Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people in direct consumer, e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. So this is series two of 2021, and the subject I'll be exploring is something close to my heart, food and drink. Over the next six episodes, I'll sit down with leaders and innovators in the food and drink space to get their state of play, learnings from 2020, and predictions for this year and beyond. On this episode, I chat with Ian Barron, Chief Popper at Mama Made, a direct consumer organic baby food delivery service. We touch on the advantages of building a brand with your life partner, organically growing a community to 30,000 members, the art of asking the right questions, experiential supermarkets, and the ideal vegan feast. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Ian, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? And good where to, are you? I am good, thank you. I am actually today sitting in my garden shed. Um, we're fortunate enough that we have offices um, in White City with a team and a facility um, in Cricklewood. But today is one of those days where yeah, I'm just at home doing admin and it's a great podcast. <laughs> and uh, can I ask, is, is the, the garden shed, what was that once a functioning garden shed that has now been converted into uh, a, a, a home office or is it still a functioning garden shed? No, I actually feel really bad. When we moved into our house, there was a greenhouse in the back and I actually grew tomatoes and all kinds of herbs in there. But when the pandemic hit, it was this kind of decision of... Um, shed or greenhouse uh, really <laughs> get, get the bloody garden out put the shed <laughs> yeah. in yeah 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 home office yeah no no that's yeah. good um so i, I want to start by rewinding um and i want to talk about your decision to move from a career in real estate investment to, to mama made so yeah give me a little bit of insight into to how you um your journey to mama made yeah sure so my journey was a bit different to kind of what it might read on my LinkedIn or CV. Um, in school, I actually really struggled, um, not many people know this, uh, with dyslexia. And I really wasn't interested in education or reading books or, you know, getting involved with, you know, school activities um, and became essentially the class clown. Um, but there was certain things I was kind of drawn into um, and that was particularly like entrepreneurial um, events or talks or even books. And the only books I did read um, were the likes of, you know, Richard Branson's autobiography. Um, and really kind of the idea of disrupting industries and creating better businesses or better experiences for people kind of was really um, exciting for me. Um, and that kind of got me through uh, school and pushed me really hard to kind of get into um, business school, uh, University of Birmingham. Um, and 
I kind of found myself in the same situation uh, where I didn't really want to go to lectures and I was kind of checking out uh, when, you know, I had to do home, uh, you know, assignments. Um, but I did find the Entrepreneurial Society um, and I submitted um, a pitch and a business plan for an idea I had and actually got a grant from the university. And that was my far first, um, you know, experiment with taking an idea, a concept and trying to build it out. Uh, and at the time that was insurerstudent.com. Um, and it was a price comparison site for student insurance. Um, I just had this real struggle of like, you know, how do I go about insuring, you know, my belongings and, mm -hmm. um, you know, all my stuff. So, um, yeah, th and that kind of took me on a journey where I started experimenting loads of ideas um, at uni. Um, I was running club nights. We set up a, a website called studentsforpoker.com. We had a student ticket hotline. I don't know where I had the time to actually do my, my coursework. <laughs> that was going to be uh, my question is how did you study and do all this stuff? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, when you're young, you have all that energy. You kind of make it work. Um, but I realized, you know, towards the end of my university experience that I didn't really have the maturity or, or even that kind of discipline to kind of carry things through uh, and to build something, not just kind of, I have an idea and that importance of, you know, taking an idea and making it happen, you know, is more important than the idea in itself sometimes. Um, so I ended up um, doing a master's in finance um, with specialism in real estate. And I went to a, a, char a charity talk and one of the kind of property tycoons at the time was talking. Um, I was just really inspired by him building essentially a company from nothing to this huge, you know, two billion pound company. And, you know, after a lot of nagging and persuas persuasion, um, I ended up being him and the board directors kind of right-hand man and, you know, really learned what it took to run a business. Um, so, you know, after a few years, I had the entrepreneurial itch and um, went uh, on my own again and set up um, what was called Thumbtags. Um, and Thumbtags was, um, we essentially made images online shoppable. Um, so, you know, if you, you know, it's kind of common now on Instagram, but this was like mm. 2013, um, where you could click on an image and anything you saw in that image, you could buy, for example, David mm -hmm. Beckham football boots. Um, and it was great that for two years, we were live on MTV, Evening Standard, we, had, we were working with 500 brands. Um, and we came to the conclusion after two years that the technology wasn't quite there yet. People weren't on mobiles. Um, E-commerce was kind of taking off, but, you know, the image recognition software wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. And it was a decision of, you know, I need about five years or, you know, funding of a lot of money to kind of make this work. Um, I just realized I didn't have those skills. I wasn't like a technical person to kind of make it work. Um, so yeah, after two years, we decided to wind down the company. Um, and a former colleague who was in real estate said, let's, let's build a, a real estate company. So that's what we did for three years. And we successfully built a portfolio. Um, and after three years, we kind of liquidated all the assets. And that kind of gave me time to kind of take a break, uh, took the family traveling around Asia. Um, you know, I kind of did the whole Tony Robbins thing and meditation and, you know, really um, got my health and nutrition in order. Mm -hmm. um, and that gave me, you know, the, the kind of gift of space. And I really wanted to 
change the direction of my life and do something more purpose-driven um, and something that would make an impact, um, especially having kids to kind of what kind of world we're going to leave, leave them. So Mama um, Maids was actually started by my wife, Sophie, um, and she had this struggle being um, a new mum. She was head of operations for a fast growth um, tech company and you know, she, she saw that kind of shift in identity where um, she was this independent career woman and all of a sudden she was being labeled this mum and she wants to go back to work, but there was just no support out there for her. Um, so um, she started experimenting with how can we make this journey a bit easier? So that's how Mama May started. And after a year um, of doing on Instagram and this kind of organic community growing around it, um, Sophie turned around to me and go like, you want to do something purpose-driven and really build something amazing. Here is an opportunity. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's me joining Mama Maid. <laughs> what a journey. Um, <laughs> and so, like, like, okay, so let's assume I'm a, I, I'm a newbie to the Mama Maid brand. Just give me a little bit of insight into like, what, what's the mission and what's the vision? Well, what's really kind of fascinating is the kind of parenting space or being a mother or a parent um, or a father. Um, No one's really disrupted or kind of changed the space in the last 20, 30 years. Um, The modern parent of today is very different of the modern parent of even five years ago. Mm -hmm. There's no brands or community or products that are really speaking to that parent as a person. They're all kind of babyish and tweed and you know goo goo gaga but it's kind of parent well-being and health nutrition for the parent and the child is so important to kind of bring up a healthy family but you know as they not just nutritionally but also uh, mentally um so the idea behind mama made is to kind of relieve that anxiety around parenthood and to help as many parents as possible so that's a kind of the undertone of the whole philosophy behind what we're doing. Um, We've started with food. So we're helping parents transition from from milk to solids. And we have essentially created this platform where we can, we tailor make a whole program for parents where we take them on that journey from very simple purees um, to more solid food and design the food that actually grows with the child from four to six months up to three years. And we wrap around that, not just the food, but we have uh, one-to-one coaching, we have support and guides and this amazing community that's developing with, you know, 30,000 plus parents now. That's really cool. And you touch on a, a, an interesting concept, which I'm always intrigued by, uh, particularly when I see a, a food brand. Can you talk me through the product development process? Like how does it work? Who's involved and, and how long does it take? Yeah, of course. So the product actually started from our from our home kitchen where my wife was experimenting. Um, and the idea was to have these mixes of fruit, vegetable, herbs, spices that could be kept in the freezer. And then depending on child's development, you could take out the mix, uh, you can puree it, mash it or serve it whole. So when it comes to babies, everyone develops at a different pace. Um, there's no right or wrong. Um, fast isn't always best. Uh, but some children might only be on purees for a couple of weeks or not at all. 
Um, so that was the kind of the first product. And that was the product that went out on Instagram and people were buying it all around the country. And with this community organically growing, the beauty was that we were getting so much data and responses from our community of what product would help them next on that journey. So with these mixers, people were really struggling with breakfast. So we introduced a, a porridge breakfast range um, and then it was snack time. And as the baby grew, they needed finger food. So those were a natural progression. So the range today, we have anything from purees to um, plant-based ready meals for, for toddlers. So kind of going up to three to five years. And we made a conscious decision moving from our home kitchen to um, essentially our own facility um, that we can be very close to our product, that we can take data and figure out what products are working, what aren't working, um, what flavors are working, how we can refine those products. Um, and then with the data, we can actually create products very quickly and test them. So we have uh, an in-house nutritionist, so we can very quickly go, um, here is a, a specific product that people want. We can send that out, we can test it, get the feedback within four to six weeks. The main thing is kind of just printing the packaging we can get that onto our site and out to customers. Um, we've also got a, a product development chef who comes in to help us really refine everything, um, who's worked you know, for some of the main supermarkets. So we really see this kind of new product development as a way for us to, to grow and to connect with our consumers. Um, and we wanna stay like that for now. So th there's a great vid on the site where Sophie talks about the concept of community. Um, and it's definitely something I'm picking up from our conversation here. And as an observer, it, it's, it's important to you guys. So I suppose, how important is it to the Bamboo brand and how do you guys foster it and manage your community? So our community is everything. Um, we started um, on Instagram and this organic community grew around this product where people were talking about their experiences, um, really sharing how they were using that product as well, sharing recipes and ideas. And we found quickly that people were just coming in to join the community and the conversation. And that was anything from, you know, parents to even celebrity mums kind of, you know, identifying with the challenge of parenthood. Um, and we, as a company, we don't do any, for example, prospecting ads. Mm -hmm. um, all of our sales and interest comes from, you know, people talking, people sharing, people telling their friends and you know people just getting involved with this conversation we really feel that mama made is uh, not just a product it's a community as well and our aim at the moment is to grow that um, from thirty thousand parents you know to a few hundred thousand in the next couple of years we our first employee was actually um, a social media and community manager um, and a lot of our activities now is about you know organic content um, bringing in experts to the community to talk um, and our kind of end goal is to have an app where you know people can we can kind of control um, that community uh, discussion and really become that home for parents and so I we're gonna <laughs> try and avoid the concept of COVID right because I think it's been, been yeah. overdone in many 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 uh, um, ways however however your journey, the Mama Made journey, has kind of 
happened against the backdrop of this weird time that we're in, right? So <laughs> like, to, to what extent do you think that that has helped you guys? And do you think there it has hindered you in any way? Tim, it's so interesting. We get asked this so much and what we don't, it's really hard to kind of go back in time to kind of, you know, even last January, February, the biggest challenge for us selling uh, Mama Made to potential customers is our product is completely frozen and we're completely direct to consumer. And before COVID hit, we had this challenge where we had to explain to people the benefits of frozen and the benefits of receiving food to your doorstep and also the benefits of a subscription. And as soon as, you know, March, April time came about, we didn't have to leave with that discussion. People got it. And it's essentially this online world has kind of accelerated where people understand how amazing um, technology can be um, for the consumer. Um, so it really gave us this tailwind to grow um, from a very small company to one of the major players in the industry. Um, and yeah, it's exciting to see where it goes. That's so interesting. So do you find now that like you can focus more on the brand and the community and kind of building the core of the business and not having to sort of convince people like, Hey, <laughs> you know, direct consumer or having it delivered to your doorstep on a subscription model. Is it just a good way of getting it to you? People just get it now. I mean, yeah. COVID also gave people time and space to kind of take a step back and think about their health and nutrition. And, you know, we're completely plant-based. So, you know, a lot of people have, you know, come in this direction as well so that messaging and that's you know selling we this is these are all the ingredients we use and we're organic and we're plant-based and we source as close as possible to uh, our production um we don't really have to go with that anymore it's more it's expected from brands nowadays to to have those tick boxes um and what's nice is yeah we can focus on building this community uh we're bringing on you know our team is growing um and um our community is just flourishing and we're really excited where it can go that's so cool so 2020 has seen like an explosion in ddc food um and we've obviously already talked about it you guys are a ddc brand so i want to understand how you think about the supermarket like is it in your strategy and, and and if it is like how do you pull the trigger on this channel so Tim, it's a really great question. We struggle with this um, debate internally a lot. And we've, you know, we have got interest from a few of the major supermarkets. Um, and it's a great place for brand discovery. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, people walking down up and down aisles, or even as the e-tailers, you know, just browsing and you know, clicking on your products and essentially it can become part of your brand and community mm -hmm. uh, for, for many years. Um, what we're finding is that when people kind of come into the world of Mama Made, we can really give them that full experience. Um, but in saying that, we also see a great partnership with the supermarkets yeah. um, where we can provide a few of our SKUs, our top selling SKUs, um, and hopefully that will bring in more people into our community. So we do see it as a great partnership opportunity. Um, there is this kind of idea that the whole fundamentals of 
um, shopping, especially for food, has changed. The whole infrastructure is changing. Um, and we're actually in talks with some of these, um, you know, 10 minute delivery uh, services um, to kind of work with them in partnership as well. So that idea of going to a supermarket and doing a weekly shop has progressed from your next day delivery. And now it's kind of this, you know, within 10 minutes and yes. you know, who knows how that might look like in a few years time. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I, I was thinking <laughs> it's so funny because I was like over in uh, Dublin at the start of the year and uh, um, I was, I was staying with, with, with my mum, which um, there'd been a bit of a family thing going on. So I had to get over there for a couple of months and um, she, she's a supermarket goer. And so we would go to the supermarket and yeah, just thinking about it now, I don't go to the supermarket. I use like a card or whatever, you know, so that you're right. That whole, that whole thing is, is, is changing in and itself, right? Like how people experience a supermarket. Yeah. I suppose that, 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 that concept where it's, it's like moving digitally as well. And then how do you go from that um, in-store aisle brand awareness experience to that being not your direct consumer channel, but through another aggregator, you know? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't even think about it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, the the interest like supermarkets have been around for a long time and they're not just gonna disappear. Um, and like what you're seeing a lot of now, especially in America is this kind of experiential retail where, where mm. you know, it's not just about going into a supermarket and doing a shop, there's, there's much more of an added value and a lot of these amazing D2C brands that have emerged over the last year, I feel, I might be wrong, that I don't know what you think, Tim, but they, they, they could play a big part in that. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think the whole, um, you touched on a good word there, like experiential, right? Like how shopping malls, like the, the quintessential shopping mall is a weird thing these days, right? I mean, you know, yeah. put COVID aside it's kind of a strange concept now right but even more so and then the supermarket yeah is, is a strange concept so I think it's really exciting to see the way in which brands will kind of connect with consumers in a physical sense and I think the classic thing is like you know pop up like pop up this pop up that yeah that's great but like yeah how can you um do it in maybe a more collaborative sense. So I've seen some cool things recently, which are not new concepts, but more of like collaborative uh, experiential pop-up concepts, right? So you'll have like some uh, brand that uh, brings in a whole bunch of other brands into a space and then you go in there and you experience it. And that concept I think could be, you know, um, that could be fashion it can be beauty it could be um food you know what i mean it could could, could yeah. kind of be anything and i think you touched on it before there when someone comes into the mum made direct consumer experience you've got them they they see the full full gambit they see everything yeah um but how can you do that in a partnership perspective that's going to get you more brand awareness but also control that narrative and that experience and and how does that brand who you're partnering with get the benefit of, of your customers. I think it's a really interesting concept and um, I'd be very excited to see how it plays out over the next, well, yeah, fr from 2021 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, those brand partnerships are kind of, I think people are really starting to appreciate how amazing they can be. You know, we've worked so hard to build this community, but so have a lot of other brands to build their own, their own communities and their own audiences. Um, and supermarkets have got the same. So, 
you know, why, why can't it be like this collaborative approach um, where, you know, we are sharing these right audiences and really giving the consumer um, an amazing experience. Yeah. So you've touched on it um, already and, and it was something I was kind of thought may have been in your, your, your roadmap, but like, let's go beyond 2021 for, for Mama Made. Like, what's the is it international growth that's kind of the plan or are you going to be tapping into more of the kind of parenting verticals you know um you talk about being a brand for parents so there's obviously a whole bunch of other stuff that parents could be getting exposed to talk me through that a little bit so we, we do have you know huge plans like we do want this to be you know a global brand for the modern parent um what we've realized is we haven't scratched the surface at all just in the UK. So on our roadmap, we're very much focused for the next two years on building out the food element um, of Mama Maid um, in the UK. Um, we've got, you know, people asking us um, for our products in, you know, all over the world and Europe and Africa and in America. And we've also experimented with how can we you know, the bigger the community grows, the more data points we get yeah, yeah. and the more we can see, okay, fine. Do we want to, does the audience want more education yeah. uh, or tools and resources? Is it more the ambient products like spoons and bowls? Is it, you know, supplements for the parents or the, or the children? We can take it in any direction, but we're very conscious that this is a company that, you know, grew because of the community and we want that community to dictate our future. So interesting. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. Sure. Um, and you're not the first person I've interviewed that has started a business with their life partner. Yeah. Which I think is a very interesting concept. Um, so tell me what's the best thing about it and where are the challenges? What a challenging kind of question to answer, especially <laughs> like, um, you know, when, when we started out, um, and we raised our first round of investment. A lot of investors with, they couldn't get their head around how you could run a business you know, with your life partner. And I was kind of shocked because I've had business partners before and there is nothing like working and living and growing a family yeah. with your business partner. Um, you can't let things just fester um, you know, you see that person, you know, when you come home during the day, things have to be kind of out in the open. You have to discuss things. You have to find a way forward. Otherwise, you know, it's a stalemate. Um, I, I kind of, I'm blessed that the partnership I have with, um, my, my wife is that we kind of bring very different attributes to the business. And we both really understand what our skills are. And yeah, we both have very different skills. So that helps in a big way. <laughs> well, that leads me onto a really good question because um, did you guys like, did, did you identify that beforehand and say like, okay, I'm good at this. I'm going to take this bit. You're good at that. You, you stick over there. Or has that kind of evolved over time um, in terms of like where you guys sit in terms of your roles and what, what, what you do? Um, it was quite funny at the beginning because we were such a young company um, 
I thought I was good at everything, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I was involved with the branding and the naming of the colors and you know, the messaging we're going to put out there to <laughs> even the messages to like influencers. Um, and I was so wrong. Um, <laughs> that's not my forte. Like Sophie, you know, she's worked for Vogue and, you know, she's got a real, she is the consumer, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, we kind of sat down and we actually brought in a business coach yep. um, and we just set out, you know, what are our skills? What does the business need? And how are we going to, you know, just write up our job descriptions? And yeah, Sophie really, she, she manages, you know, anything brand, anything community, anything about the direction of, you know, what the community wants or needs. And, you know, I'm, I'm there to kind of help grow the business, the operations, um, all the boring kind of admin and the finance side, but you know, I sometimes don't even speak to Sophie at all during a day because she's running, you know, different things with the team, and I've you know got the you know the operations to kind of deal with. So um, yeah, it's that's really interesting. Yeah, business coaching to define that 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 that's a really smart move. Um, would you recommend that to other people who are going on a similar journey? I, I think. It's, I think Sophie's American, she's from New York. So the idea of coaching and therapy is kind of just, you know, part of everyone's everyday life. <laughs> I think, you know, the English mentality is don't talk about it, hold the yeah. feeling, keep on, carry on, it'll be fine. Um, I, I am talking to a lot of other startup founders. You know, it's, this is like coaching and therapy and, you know, even just meditation and taking time out of work. And, you know, it's so important. Um, like it's such a crazy world nowadays and just getting things off your chest can like really make a difference. So I'm a huge advocate. Um, I've got a business coach personally as well now. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan. There you go. Yeah. Well, may maybe, maybe the success to your partnership then is that, that, that Sophie is from that side of the world, you know, and has brought that um, insight to, 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 to your English heritage. And so there's, a, there's an interesting mix there. I think that's really interesting. Um, so you've touched on it um, a little bit before, but can, can you give me a little bit of insight into your, to your funding journey thus far? Yeah, sure. So we started in our kitchen. Um, we bootstrapped completely um, till last August, um, where, yeah, we got to a point where we're like, okay, this is happening. You know, um, there's real demand. People are coming back. The community's growing. And we were fortunate enough to go out and raise an angel round and got some really great um, investors behind us. Uh, I think the best investors we actually got were Sophie's bosses um, came in so that she was working and she had this idea for Mama Made. And she wanted to leave to, to start Mama Maid and they were like, no, you're staying. And she was a bit confused by the answer. She says, no, you need to work. You need to get an income, but we'll incubate you. We'll help you grow this business. Oh, wow. And as entrepreneurs themselves, they kind of really helped. Yeah. They helped shape the, the, the kind of the beginnings of Mama Maid. So them coming in as investors was really, really helpful. Um, and that, fundraise really enabled us to take a deep dive into our brand um really convey this message of we are here for all parents um because we were coming across as quite a you know 
upper class product um which wasn't intentional yeah um our website was literally sophie started it herself on shopify so she just pieced together this um clunky machine which we were amazed that people were buying from <laughs> um so yeah as a, as a good advertisement for shopify that's how easy it is to use there you go yeah it was incredible, <laughs> incredible this, this is not sponsored by shopify by the way no i mean <laughs> yeah i mean the tools out there shopify and Clavio and you know it's just incredible what we were able to achieve um but building up a proper website and bringing in really experienced talent um like a cmo and a cto to kind of really push forward our vision um has taken us to a point where yeah we're now um midway through a fundraise um we're nearly fully committed on um the first part and we're actually going out um, in a couple of months to um, do a top-up round um, as part of a crowdfund. So yeah, we're really excited. Oh, that's so cool. So I suppose like going back to the the, the start of our conversation and, and and your your varied experience, but particularly things like I suppose the entrepreneurship piece obviously is important, but then you know the the the, the real estate. Uh, investment element like do you think that was all of the perfect springboard for you to get into like a direct consumer brand I've really thought about kind of the journey and how it has helped um, you know help mama made today and one of the things which is really shocking is when we were raising our our first round I think just that experience of being able to talk investor lingo um and it's nothing special it's essentially just confidence and you know getting over fear and stuff so this is like really prevalent especially in women and sophie you know she was really struggling with you know the fear of pitching and what are the investors going to think and say and um so i think that experience really helped um raising the money and now you know i don't even get involved with pitches anymore sophie does everything because you know, she's far more talented and, you know, intelligent than me. So, um, yeah, I think that is the kind of the key point, um, kind of just that confidence. I think a lot of everything we do comes down to just, yeah, just your inner belief that you can do it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's like a common trait, you know, that, that, that to me is, is kind of the, is that the core of entrepreneurship? I think that the confidence in yourself to be able to confidence in the hard work to get to kind of get it done, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There's some, uh, having seen some experience in it myself, just having that experience also on the contractual side. And again, not being afraid of the, what can be seen is very, very complex, <laughs> legal, corporate, yeah. you know, all of that sort of stuff that that must help, right? Like just having gone through, you know, an investment round before in some capacity helps you with the next one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, as I said, like, I'm dyslexic, like, you know, I can't, I can hardly spell. And, you know, if, if it was left to me, you know, there would be a disaster. But <laughs> what what I've kind of gained as a skill through the years is, just that art, that, that art of just asking questions and not being afraid. So, you know, find the best lawyer. And, yeah, 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 totally, you know, yeah. Get the best people in place, make sure you're asking the right questions, they understand what you want to do. And yeah, like, yeah, just have faith and trust in the people around you. Yeah, yeah. I suppose there's also like an element there of 
like really understanding what you're good at and what you're not and like stick to what you're good at. And if there's stuff that you're not get like really good people in to help you out, you know, like the best you can afford at any one time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, even like we've got a lot of freelancers who work with us because we simply can't afford them to be with us full time. But that's why we're raising money now to kind of bring this talent in house because the, the added value they bring is incredible. Yeah, it's a massive thing, isn't it? It's so good when you um, you either yeah work with someone in a in a, in a con, uh, like a contractual way, or they come on board and that value add they like bring like immediately. It's such a re a refreshing concept. Um, it's so good when you just get that right person who just hits the ground running, and you're just like wow. Um, so I suppose I want to sort of um start to round out the conversation. Um. And you've had a pretty insane journey. So I want to like understand what advice would you have given to your younger self? Oh, so much. Um, <laughs> it's like that butterfly effect, you know, that movie where you don't really want to change anything because it all led you to where you are today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you but, might go off into another multiverse. Who knows know. what's going to happen? Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to <laughs> the space time continuum. We don't want to mess with it no. too much. <laughs> And it's like that, you know, Steve Jobs' famous speech about, you know, you can't really connect the dots until, you know, <laughs> you're in the future. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, but I was so focused on money and like making as much money as possible so quickly. And, you know, I just, you know, I wasted so many opportunities and experiences because my decision making was kind of in the wrong frame of mind like as a young you know as a young kid you like you can ask questions you can get away with things you can mm, like mm. go up to an entrepreneur and say can i shadow you for a few days yeah yeah it's like <laughs> 35 40 50 year old you can't do that that's just like that's creepy it's weird yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um you know just go out there and i think the biggest thing is just follow your passion because that passion will lead into something if you're so passionate about it the opportunities will come. Um, and yeah, I guess I wasted a few years or many years just like, yeah, in the wrong kind of direction. So yeah, just just really following that journey, just letting yeah your passion dictate that journey. And then that leads me to, so what would you be doing if you weren't Chief Papa at Mum Made? Oh, such a good question. Um, there's like, yeah, I mean, I've, like since COVID started, I took up tennis. Oh, nice. I'm not, I'm not that great, but I love it. Um, to the extent that I'm playing, you know, three to five times a week, which is... <laughs> oh, mate. Okay, so Wimbledon, Wimbledon's on the horizon. <laughs> Wimbledon 2022, yeah. I see where this is going. <laughs> I'll give it a stab, but I don't think <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, I got into my, my third team at my tennis club, but, you know, that's <laughs> an achievement. Um, but you know, that aside, I think like that understanding that passion and that came later on in my journey and struggling with dyslexia as a, you know, during school, I really have this kind of pull to like go in that direction of dyslexia and, you know, helping and supporting, um, you know, students or entrepreneurs on that journey um, to kind of overcome their fears and 
start to really see it as the superpower rather than this hindrance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just something in that space, whether that's a school or a charity or you know, incubating founders, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it sounds it sounds like that the 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 money, which was the early incentive earlier on, has been replaced with purpose. So you want to do something purposeful in in some guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I am fortunate that you know I built a business and had that luxury of space and time to kind yeah. of take that step back. People sometimes don't have that, um, but yeah, if I can kind of jump into help people at the earlier stage to through that journey i'd love to be able to do that okay mate we're gonna round it out now with the final question also i've been asking all my guests in this series (laughs) something similar so it's your last supper are you going to a dinner party or a restaurant in either case what's on your menu oh tim um, i hate these questions i've got to think a bit okay so I guess what do you what do you prefer? Do you like having dinner parties, or would you much rather someone else do all that stuff? I love I love a restaurant where you know there's a tablecloth and the china and everything, and it's you don't have to worry about the tidying up after. But I think I think we're going restaurant <laughs> then, mate. There you go. What, what, okay, so there's yeah. What what's the, the what's the restaurant? Maybe it's your last supper, or maybe it's your first supper after what you know a, a very strange pandemic. Where are you going? Okay, so if you asked me this question, you know, six to eight months ago, it would be very different. Um, I've been on this strange journey where I was the one having the barbecues with the big pieces of meat and, you know, going to the steak restaurants. And, you know, since like the pandemic and really taking a step back, I've like just seen the benefit of like health and nutrition and, you know, I've kind of really adopted a predominantly plant-based diet. So everything's changed for me. Wow. Um, and I don't know, if I was to have a last dinner, I have this dream of like having, this is really strange, um, but having a farm um, like in Southern Europe somewhere, just yep. like amazing weather, growing your own fruit and veg and um, yeah. And just having this like outdoor dining experience, you know, I'd love love that to be very nice so it, it sounds like what, what what could happen then if you've got this amazing organic farm in the south of france and it's the middle of summer and you've got all your friends and family there and you get the world's top vegan chef to fly in <laughs> and with with their big crew and they they put on a massive um well, maybe not everyone's vegan or, or plant-based, right? So they're going to have some other options there, but they put on a big spread for you and the family and the friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So was it Daniel um, Hum from, uh, who had, a lab, uh, was it 11 Madison Park restaurant in New York? Oh, Michigan. yes. So, yeah, so he's he's gone completely plant-based and it's like- Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, right. There's no Michelin star plant-based restaurants. And his reopening the restaurant, Eleven Madison Park, this famous restaurant, as a plant-based restaurant. So maybe we'll bring him down. There you Tim go. Come down as well. Right. You're gonna have to. Oh, he's wow. gonna have to take the week off in July. He's gonna have to come over <laughs> south of France. All right, we'll, we'll get on to him now. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Ian, mate, that was so good. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Tim. It's awesome.
There you go. Massive thank you to Ian for joining me. You can check them out at mamamadefood.com. That's M-A-M-A madefood.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please, please, please go and leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all of your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. I hope you're taking notes because I don't like